0: Thanks for joining us here at AG Kolkata. We are the church with the open arms and we serve in the city of joy. If you would like to learn more about us, you can simply go to www.agkolkata.org. We hope that you enjoy today's message. This is the vision of the Prophet Amos and that we claim and uh, as the people of God, In Ramos chapter five, verse twenty four, the Prophet says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. People of God, it may sound like an unreachable goal. But you know what, that is the vision of heaven and we're going to pray that God does it. No matter how much pain, injustice is there, he's a God of faithfulness without injustice. And we, as his people, it's our obligation to pray. As Pastor Cynthia led us in that powerful prayer, Lord, let justice roll down like a river. And uh, although we know in all its fullness... It will come when when Jesus comes back but he has taught us to pray thy kingdom come we not only pray wherever you are be just be fair do what is right and we will see his kingdom come on earth amen amen praise God See some of you looking kind of glum this morning. Argentina may be out of the reckoning, but God is still on the throne. Amen. And your hero Lionel Messi, Ronaldo—you're not going to see them play for a while, but it's okay. Amen. Yeah, cheer up. Okay, it's not the end of the world. I'm so tempted to say, "What my team is—they're still in the reckoning." Okay. But I won't tell that to you. Cheer up. And by the way, you Brazil fans, there's still hope. Yes? Amen. Okay. If you had to choose one book from the entire Bible to be with you when you are marooned on a desert island, you know, I wonder which book you would choose. That's a hypothetical question. I'm not praying that any of you are marooned on a desert island. But if you had to choose one book which book would you choose i asked this in the first service and i'm going to ask it again how many of us would choose the book of psalms may i see your hand oh wow look at that very many more than even i thought that's true why you wondered why why do we love the psalms well let me suggest a simple reason okay because While we believe the entire Bible is God's word, there is something about the Psalms that rings true to life, doesn't it? The Psalms seem to capture the entire gamut of our human experience. If you feel frustrated in life, as I often do, the Psalms, you'll find, the Psalms talk about frustration, anguish with injustice. If you find yourself with conflicting emotions, you'll find them in the Psalms. You'll find the Psalmist beginning with, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's down in the depths of depression. And then as you read on by the end of the Psalm, he, he bursts out in praise. Other times, the reverse. You find the Psalms expressing deep pain. Deep pain. Everyone is against me. Psalmist has gone through that. The person I walked with and had chai with has suddenly stabbed me behind the back, in in my back. Not only that, the Psalms express hope in the midst of adversity and joy, exuberant joy, uninhibited praise, explosive praise. The Psalms have it all, and that's why we love them because in the Psalms we find comfort, in our own life's journey, and expression when we need to find words. Sometimes you have emotions, you cannot find words to express. We read the psalm, we say, Yeah, that's where I am, that's what I'm feeling. Last week, Pastor Agnal in the first service, and then Pastor Cynthia in the other services actually began to talk to us from the Psalms. And we're looking at the Psalms in the next couple of weeks from the perspective of our theme, which is love. Learn, live. I gave you the easy part, okay? Now let's try that again. The word. The word. Thank you. Today, we're going to start at the beginning. Psalm 1. And the reason we want to take time on this psalm is because the first two psalms serve as an introduction to the whole book of psalms. They, In some ways, they encapsulate, they capture the essential message of the Psalms. And in some ways, uh, this little uh, chapter, six verses, Psalms, summarizes for us the entire message of the Bible in the simplest possible terms. We see all of life reduced to two ways. One way, a psalmist calls the way of the godly, which leads to life. The other way, the psalmist calls the way of the wicked, which leads to death. And of course, the big question is, for each of us, which way am I in right now? And the other question is, if I'm not in the way I should be, how do I get from where I am to where I ought to be? So before we read the psalm, only six short verses... Uh, let me tell you what the the title is. It's simply, Only Two Ways to Live. Only Two Ways to Live. Which way are you on this morning? So let's read together from Psalm chapter 1, shall we? Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. Don't go further, okay? Please, please. Uh, For those of you, you may find these words strange because you're saying, hey, my Bible says, blessed are they who do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. Pastor, what is this saying? This uh, version called the New Living Translation simply translates or interprets the meaning of the word blessed. Blessed sometimes, when we look at blessed, we think of a very holy word. Uh, We think of what priests and pastors do when they bless us. Well, the word simply means joy, explosive joy. Another version says, happy are you, okay? The joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners, join in with mockers. Let's go on, verse 2. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. By the way, if you have a copy of the newsletter, uh, the bulletin, church bulletin, uh, we take a little bit of trouble in doing that, okay? Whoever writes the message takes trouble. And if you don't mind taking the trouble of reading that message, uh, or uh, even announcements are there. Some people take it and just leave it behind on the pew. It's a waste of paper. Uh, but you'll find the title of this week's bulletin messages, Delighting of Finding Joy in the Law of God. And it comes from this verse. But let's, start, uh, let's read together. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Verse 4. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So you find here the psalm highlighting or focusing on two distinct, different types of people, the godly and the wicked. In a sense, he divides all of humanity into these two categories. Now some of us may find that uncomfortable are there only two types of people? From the psalmist's point of view, yes. When he says they are wicked, you must understand what he means by the wicked. He's not talking about wicked in the sense of person who does every possible sin, the murderer, rapist. Okay, I'll tell you what it means in a moment. But he's talking about a category of all those who are in the wrong way. They are headed in the wrong direction. And the godly are not those who are you know, doing everything right, who are perfect human beings. No. But the godly are simply those who have found the right way. You get that? This is very important for you to understand uh, what, what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, so all of humanity can be divided into those who are in the right way, the wrong way. Everybody belongs to one or the other. Only two ways to live. And it describes one kind of people as trees planted by the river bank, pictures of health and spiritual flourishing. On the other hand, worthless shaft scattered by the wind. This message this morning is very simple. We're going to look at both these ways. First of all, what is this the psalmist describes called the way of the wicked. And on the other hand, what does he describe as the way of the godly? And then we will see finally where each road leads, the ultimate destination. So who are the wicked, according to the psalmist? His definition is very simple. He's not talking about those who've committed a line of murders, cold-blooded murder. He's not talking about those who are cheats, necessarily. He's talking about those who leave God out of their lives. That's it. Those who leave God out of their lives are the wicked in the definition of the psalmist. And how do they do this? How do the wicked leave God out of their lives? He describes... He summarizes their choices in three phases. In some ways, these three phrases represent three steps of going down to wickedness. The first is, you leave God out firstly by following the advice of the wicked. Older version says, who walks in the way of sinners. So here, You're not exactly in the group of the wicked. But you're listening to the advice of the wicked rather than listening to God's word. So this is the person who disregards God's word and instead lives his life based on the wisdom of the world. Uh, Please note, he's not talking about people who are ignorant of God's word. He's not talking about people out there who are beyond the sound of God's word. Rather, he's talking about a person who hears God's word, who reads God's word, but doesn't take it seriously. If you're honest, some of us fall into that category, right? We do this in two ways. One is we see attending services like this as a matter of giving attendance. Attending care group as a duty. You know what? Someone up there is keeping attendance. Otherwise, one black mark. You know how, like, when you are employed, three lates means one uh, leave. So like that, it's an attendance. We're honest, we struggle through, suffer through these long messages. Or even if we hear the word, We say, this is okay here. Doesn't work. Doesn't really work out there. Now, it may seem innocent, but you know what you're saying? You're saying, God, you don't really know your world like I do. When God gives us advice, it is the advice of the Maker, the one who not only made you, he made every single human being on this planet. He knows what works best for me and for you, my sister, my brother. So we disregard what he says to our own peril. But You know what we do? We have a filter. You know what a filter is? A filter takes what we like, pushes out what we don't like. So if we like what we hear, yes. We don't like what we hear, we dismiss it. In our mind, we rationalize, actually, that is for someone else, not me. Excuse me. Okay, sometimes we, spouses are famous for that, especially if you've had a bad week with your husband or wife. On our way back, did you hear what pastor said? Children. See, I was telling you all week. See, you heard what pastor said. See, by the way, that's not why we speak, okay? We don't speak to give you fuel to beat your children or your wife, or your husband with. Okay. But, when God speaks to us, it's a very dangerous place if you have a filter. Hmm? I'll take what I like, and what I don't like, I'm going to use my own wisdom. Very dangerous. That's the first step in the way of the wicked. We leave God out by following the advice of the wicked. There's a second step. The person who's in the way of the wicked, he leaves or she leaves God out by standing around with sinners. Now, please get it very clear now, okay? The psalmist is not saying don't spend time with people of other faiths or people who have a different way of life. If, If so, we'd all have to you know resign our jobs and or, you know, live somewhere on an island. That's not what he's saying. That's not the point. The point he's making is that we should be careful about how we spend our time. In the sense, if you are spending so much time with people with a different value system, so much time with people whose way of life is radically different from yours, so that you start adopting their way of life. And behaving like them, it rubs off, right? That's what he's warning against. I don't know if you have listened to the excuses of believers, excuses believers often make for not doing what is right. Some of us pastors hear that regularly, okay? Why do you take bribes? Hey, Pastor, you know where you must be in my office. Everybody does it. That's normal. Why do you drink? You know, in our corporate world, we have to drink. My boss drinks. If I don't drink, I'll lose my promotion. Why do you cheat at work? I remember I had a friend who was working for the government. And he was a very, very enthusiastic believer. And uh, one day, I asked him when I happened to visit him many, many years ago, Okay, I won't tell you where or which office. I said to him, I said, hey, bhai, uh, how come you are out in the market at 11 o'clock in the morning on a weekday? And he smiled, and he gave me a long description how working in a government office, he said we get by by working two hours a day. And he was grinning, telling me with some degree of pride, you know, about how we go half an hour late, and then we spend first half an hour drinking chai, then another half an hour going to the washroom, and then we work for an hour and then we prepare for lunch and so on. It, it got a humorous side. But I looked at him and I said, bhai, you are a believer. He said, but pastor, mein hai karte hai. I said, but so what? So you see what happens when you hang around with people of a different lifestyle, different convictions. It's not long before it rubs off. And what is abnormal behavior becomes normal for you. That is what the psalmist is saying. Be careful of standing in the way of sinners. Now, for those of you who feel, you know, I don't do that, you know, just let me come closer home. You know, there's nothing wrong with entertainment. I think every healthy, it's very important to have healthy entertainment. We should have time when we chill out, watch the occasional movie, a TV program. But let me say, as believers, we need to stop every now and then and ask ourselves, how is what we are watching affecting us? So many comedy serials. And we'll have to laugh. But sometimes an innocent or seemingly innocent comedy serial serial, can over time dilute, even erode your children our young people's value system, right? Next time you watch a comedy serial, and this is rampant, casual sex, sexual infidelity, sleeping around before marriage. It's normal, even laughable, right? Those who go through what I call serial... Marriages, three, four marriages. You know, the Bible calls that adultery. The gay lifestyle, using filthy language. You see, when you laugh at it long enough, after some time, you think, well, it's okay. Our children grow up thinking, well, it happens. This is the way life is. This is not the way life is supposed to be. Yes, laugh by all means. But be careful, I mean by standing in the way of sinners, that the sinner's lifestyle over time doesn't erode what is supposed to be the core of who at the core of who we are. So we leave God out by following the advice of the wicked. We leave God out when we stand around with sinners and in time allow their lifestyle to rub off on us. We leave God out when we join in with mockers, cynics, who scoff at God talk, at faith. Are we here? God heals, God heals, God heals, He heals. Look at you. Why aren't you healed? God is supposed to solve problems, right? Are you see how, much, how many problems you have? You stop and ask them, but my brother, okay, so you don't believe in God. Are you living like that? Are you living without fear? Are you living without guilt? Are you living without any, we just talked about justice. Where does your standard of justice come from? If God isn't there, why do you protest when somebody deals with you unfairly? You understand, people don't live consistently. But it's easy to sit in the seat of the scoffers and make fun of faith and God talk. The real reason people don't want to allow God to come into their lives, to make God a part of their lives is because they don't want any interference in their sinful lifestyles. They don't want to, be, to bow our knees to any external authority. We want, even if my life is a mess, I want to run it the way I want to run it. And we scoff and mock and make fun, undermine the faith of others. I want you to notice the progression here. Listening to wrong advice, you're still outside the circle. Keeping company with wrong people, picking up bad behavior, you're inside the circle. And then it's not long before you're sitting in the seat of the scornful, you're opposing, uh, openly hostile towards God and the things of God. And by the way, that is when the enemy finally has you by the scruff of your neck. You're finished. You find yourself... Where Adam and Eve were, when they were shaking their fist at God and saying, God, you created us, but we don't need you anymore. We don't want you anymore in our lives. The enemy says, yeah, thank you. You're in my camp now. The way of the wicked is a very slippery slope. Be careful to even take one step and test the top of the slope. Someone has said, the two factors which will most influence where you will be 10 years from now, listen to this, especially young people. Okay, This is not my saying, it's another wiser person, but I can attest to it from my own life and experience. Okay? If you show me what you're reading, what you're watching, you show me Who the friends are you spending time with? And I can more or less predict where you will be 10 years from now. It's already decided. Pastor, I'm strong in my faith. Pastor, I love Jesus too much. I will never fall. Here's something for you to chew on. You may be an eagle destined to fly high in the sky, to so high, but if all you eat is chicken feed and spend all your time pecking at, you know, worms on the little little gnats on that, are, that are in the dust, pecking the dust, don't be surprised if before long you forget to fly. Still love me? It's okay. Never mind. God has called us all to be eagles. What is your diet, eagle? What company are you keeping, eagle? You're keeping company with chickens and turkeys, pecking the dust, the dirt. You're gonna forget to fly. You're gonna forget who you are. You're gonna feel like a turkey, think like a turkey, and before long you'll be living like a turkey. Proverbs 14.12 gives us this solemn advice. And I want you to read it with me first in the New International Version. Let's read it loud and clear. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. The Message Version, I've included verse 13, it says, There's a way of life, read it with me. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again, it leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will eventually end in heartbreak. The way of the wicked. And let's turn now and look at the way of the godly. Who are the godly? Are they the perfect saints who walk around, you know, in white with a halo around their, neck, their head? People who never do anything wrong, people who are serious, never laugh. They're the pastors, or the priests. No, no, no. Who are the godly? The godly are simply those who delight in God's law and meditate on it day and night. What is he saying? He's not saying the godly are those who leave their jobs and sit at home and read the Bible. No, no. It's simply this. The godly are those who do not leave God out of their lives. Who choose to submit their lives to the authority of God's word and when it says meditate day and night it simply means wherever we go whatever we do we make our judgments we make our choices we decide we're going to speak we're going to think we're going to act the way God has guided us to act and speak and think in his law that's all we live according to the instructions in the manual of our Maker. Does that make sense? It's as simple as that. We refuse to leave God, our Maker, out of the scheme of things. And lest you think, you know, that delighting in God's law is a painful thing. It's a forced submission to external rules, demands, and we have to grit our teeth and do what God is saying. I don't like it, but I want to listen to what the psalmist says. In Psalm 119, two verses, verse 97 and 103. He says, let's read it together. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Here's the thing. When we really understand what it means, what, why God's law is given, when we really understand that God's law is to guide us to enjoyment of life, a healthy life, fullness of life, you're going to love it. So our journey as... Jesus' followers, it's not about, oh, I have to go to this service this morning, you know, and suffer for an hour and a half. I have to go to K group. Oh, you know, I can't lust after women or men. I can't watch this. I can't have this. Can't do this but it's about doing what we love, what we delight in. About what what tastes good to us. Guess what? Whether or not you love God's word is a very, very good indication of spiritual health. And it's not because I am the speaker. But if you're sitting here, or you sat here last Sunday or the previous Sunday, and you suffered in silence through the message, I pity you. That's not what God intended, He doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want you to grit your teeth and do what he's saying even though you don't like it. Chances are you may have drifted from the way that you thought you are on to the way that the enemy is trying to seduce you towards. Why do I say that? You see, when Jesus came into the world, John's gospel says humanity was split into two. How? Listen to this. John 3, 19 said, In Jesus, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Get it? The godly and the wicked are separated by whether or not they welcomed the light. So if you're in the way of the godly, when light comes, you say, wonderful, I need this. But if you love darkness, mm -hmm. I really don't want it. The light of God, is that attractive to you, sweet to you? The word of God is something you love? Or is the way of the world? have more attraction to you. Uh, Please understand what I mean. There's nothing wrong with enjoying good biryani. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a beautiful buffet or your wife's cooking. That's not what he's saying. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a wonderful football match, even if your team loses, by the way. But when God shines his light into your soul, shows you something in your life that you need to change, What is your reaction? Do you say, wow, God, thank you. Because I want to please you. And when your light shines in my life and shows me things in my life that will help me grow and please you more, Lord. How wonderful. Amen. You love light rather than darkness. In fact, friends, there are many believers who struggle because when the light shines, we resist. And there's a warning here. And I say this in love. Be careful. Even as a Christ follower, when light shines in your life, if you find a resistance inside, be careful. You know why? Because if you don't let go right away over time see when light shines there's only one way you can get, you can you can visit you know why you know how what do you do if light shines you want to get away from the light you retreat deeper into the darkness the next time light comes You go deeper and deeper and deeper in the darkness because you're trying to escape the light. And the danger is this, and I say this to you, I've seen it happen. A time will come when the light will not be able to reach the depth of darkness you've allowed yourself to be seduced into. And that's why you'll hear sometimes even great leaders, men, women of God, falling from grace. The test of your spiritual health is Do you love light more than the darkness? You see, friends, a boil on the surface is easier to treat and heal, isn't it? The deeper it goes, the harder to reach. It soon becomes a cancer that will destroy you from within. Where the scripture repeatedly says, today, read it with me, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So in what do you find joy and delight? Do you find it in hearing God's voice? And if you're saying, actually, Pastor, I'll be honest, I'm quite I actually don't, I find it boring. I open the Bible, I find it dead and I hear messages like this, you know, it's OHP, it goes over my head. My mind is distracted. Let me give you two pieces of advice, okay? First of all, pray for new taste buds on the tongues of your heart. Say, my heart has a tongue? Yes, it does. You have new taste buds. When you're born again, Remember? Before you were born again, you opened the Bible. It had no meaning. I know what happened to me. It was dead, lifeless. When the Holy Spirit quickens you, you you're born again. You open. Wow. The same book. Your taste buds have been changed. You've acquired a taste for God's word. And not, not only the second piece of advice I have for you is meditate on the staggering, amazing promises of God. So these are the two ways. The way of the godly and the way of the wicked. In Jesus' words, this is how he summarized it. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, let's read it together. He says, at the end of the great sermon on the mount, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide. for there are many who choose that way. The gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. What is he saying? He's saying is, is, you know, if you want to. See, choosing wrong is never hard, is it? is it? Is it hard to choose wrong? There's only one way to tell the truth. What is that? Tell the truth. But there are many ways to lie. All you have to do is avoid the truth. That's what it means. It's the, the way is broad. Doing what is right is narrow, it's defined specifically by God. There's only w- one way to live a sexually pure life simple. Keep yourself pure. Before marriage, in marriage, faithfulness to your spouse. I don't have to tell you, there are hundreds of ways to be sexually irresponsible. That's what he means. But he is a warning here. He says, the end, the end. Only the gate, the highway to hell is broad. Gateway to life is narrow. To, to conclude, so way of the godly, the way of the wicked, where do these ways end? And psalmist gives two simple, powerful images. He says, the godly are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Leaves never wither. They prosper in all they do. I wish I had time to expound this in detail. The picture is that of a, of a healthy, natural creation of God. The river speaks of life. The tree speaks of something that's life-giving, drawing health from, from the stream, water, minerals and, and, and water from the stream. It's always green. <laughs> healthy, fruitful. What is he saying? You follow God's way? By keeping God's word at the center. That's the key. God promises this. Your life will be marked by character, stability, spiritual health, and fruitfulness. On the other hand, the wicked, worthless chaff. You know, in the cities, we don't know what this is. But it's the part of any grain that we discard. Okay? Remember in the olden days, the farmers or their wives will take that, what do you call that, and throw it up in the air, and the wind comes and blows the chaff. That's what the wicked are like. Worthless, rootless, useless, scattered by the wind, forgotten. And of course, ultimately, he says, while the Lord watches over the path of the godly, godly, those who follow the way of God, those who include God in their lives, he says, you are destined for the throne. Amen. We are going to be in his presence forever. The way of the wicked, rejection and condemnation leads to certain destruction. Let me quickly close, friends. I think the message is very simple, clear. If you want to get the best out of life, follow God's way. Choose life. The only life worth living is the way of the godly with God's word at the center. Now... Not that we will not have problems, pain, sickness, exams, adversity, bereavement. No, we are not insulated from these. But you will be able to survive these, overcome these challenges when you are making sure God is at the center of your life and his word is the guide of your thoughts, your words and actions. The psalmist is very, very candid, blunt. Talks about the way of this, that leads to destruction and the way that leads to life. A question that all of us need to confront. I'm sure you do. At the end of this age, will I make it to heaven? Or will I be in hell? Altar workers, service, servers, please come. So I wrap up this message. Where will my... Where am I going? I want you to think of this, very important, okay? This, this conclusion is very important. I want you to think of this life as a trial run. Trial run? You're going to buy a car, you take it out for a trial run. Think of this life as a trial run. If we live life the way God intends for us to live it, How does he want us to live it? Loving the word. Come on. Learning the word. Living the word. Even if we reduce it to two. Loving and living the word. This is the way God wants us to live this life. Now if we live our lives the way God intends for us to live. We experience the taste of heaven. And so God says. Do you like it? Do you like it? How many of us are enjoying the way of God? Do you like it? Lift your hand if you do. How how many of us are enjoying following Jesus here on earth? Yes, yes. Even though it means following his law. Do you like it? Okay, thank you. Put your hands down. He says then, okay. If you like it, come on. Let's have more of it in heaven. In fact, let's have a life like this that never ends. That is what eternal life is. But if you say, you know what, I'm quite unhappy. I don't like this. I don't want to live under God's law. You know what God's response is? He says, "Okay, if you prefer to live without me, your choice. Go ahead. Spend eternity without me. That." Is hell. Simple as that. So all this stress about, oh, will I go to heaven? Will I go to hell? You know what? You live, love the word, learn the word, live the word, live a God-centered life. Find a way to enjoy it. But God knows we were made for himself, friends. He doesn't want us to live without him in eternity. Living without him is what the Bible calls death, destruction and hell. He wants us to experience blessing. Thanks for listening to this message from AG Kolkata. We would love to know how this message has touched your life. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing us at stories at agkolkata.org. We would also be grateful if you would take a moment to rate us on iTunes. Hope you have a great week ahead.